Welcome to the STRU podcast. On this episode, I'm delighted to welcome your friend, my friend, and expert, Charles Hurley III. Welcome to the STRU podcast, your number one online hosting community, helping you achieve your goals through short-term rental investing. Now, here's your host, Richard Furtick. All right. Welcome back, folks. This is Richard, founder of Short-Term Rental University on the Short-Term Rental University podcast. And put a little asterisk there because we have an idea. We're going to get into that shortly. But I'm honored, (laughs) intrigued, excited, and ecstatic to welcome Charles Yo, 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 yo. Hurley the third, a.k.a. Charles the most. The most. To the podcast. So, yes, Charles, sir. thank you. Of Welcome. course. Yeah, I mean, I'm producing this and am a guest at the same time. So, it's going to be a little tough, but we're going to work this out. But I'm super pumped to be on here. Richard asked me, he's like, what do you guys or what do you want to talk about to the audience? I was like, I don't know. Let's just have a conversation and... If it's around Airbnb, so be it. If it's around other things, so be it. And I think we're just going to kind of talk about how we met and our stories. And I'm going to ask Richard questions, and he's going to ask me questions. And yeah, we're going to do this off the cuff. Yeah, and I think this was a little bit prompted. Somebody asked in, in, I think, the Facebook group or suggested that we create a video. And we're going to do that. Just yeah. sort of the origins of, you know, who's Hardick? What does he do? What's Charles? How did that all come about? And, mm-hmm. you know, um, this isn't scripted and... We're going to just talk about parts of that today. But I think the main point about that would be you can't plan this stuff, right? Nah. Like where we are today, sitting here recording this podcast, <laughs> Charles, is oh the furthest God. thing from either of our minds. Insane. We would have said there's no chance, no possibility. We wouldn't even have wanted to do it um, when we met. And why don't you, you know, from your perspective, tell people what you were looking to do, the date and time and what you were thinking. And then I'll tell people sort of way back, right? Yeah. Way back. Let's let's go back, you know? Yeah. So I'll go back even a little further. I'm from a small town in Virginia and I went to college, um, got a degree in marketing close by home. So my whole life I've stayed within a 40 mile radius of where I grew up. Um, And at some point in college, I realized that I wasn't playing the same game everyone else was playing, if that makes any sense. In that community. Yeah. I I think overall as well, though, I really started placing a lot of my priority on happiness um, and less on the financial. I mean, I know money's easy to count and a lot of people will compete over who makes more and all that. And from an early age, I realized that's not what I was going to compete on. I was going to do what made me happy. Um, and it's not easy to count, but I know myself. So once I graduated, um, I had various opportunities, um, in the local area. Um, none of them really excited me. They were what you would think a cubicle type job, um, in my hometown, I'd make good money, but I wasn't happy about it. Right. So what I was happy about at the time was I wanted to live in New York City. I wanted to give it a shot when I was young because I knew it would be harder when I got older. So I started looking for jobs in New York City. Um, At the time, this is funny, at the time I specialized in a certain type of software. It was called HubSpot, right? Um, That was like my one skill (laughs) right out of college is I had... What year was this? I don't even know. Oh, God. When did you graduate college? 2014. 
Um, okay. So it was at the end of 2014 is yeah. when I when okay. we met, right? Yep. Um, so that was like my one skill. So three years ago. Yes. Um, that was like my one skill coming out of college because I had an internship based around that software. Basically, Richard had just integrated this software into his business. Um, and so when I was searching for jobs, I put that software name, HubSpot, into the search bar on Indeed. And so Richard popped up. Um, I applied for his job as well as probably 10 others in the area. And Richard got back to me super quick. And you called me, actually. Um, I was cooking dinner with my girlfriend at the time, my now wife. And I was like, holy shit, this guy just called me back. <laughs> so I, I stopped cooking. I walked down the road, um, called you, and you were just like super jazzed. And, I, you know, like I was just a guy who I had very little experience, but I was young and I was hungry. And I really wanted to take a risk and leave my hometown. And I don't know if that resonated with you, but you were like, more jazzed up than you should have been for like a 22 year old kid like <laughs> applying to handle your marketing at your business anyway um so then i took a bus up probably two days later um took a bus up stayed in queens um we had the interview i wasn't sure how it was going because I, I just didn't have the experience as far as like was that a good or bad interview i thought it went well um and basically, I think we had the interview and then we broke for a little while. Like you had a meeting and maybe lunch. So I went outside and I called my dad and I was like, hey, I think it's going well. Uh, <laughs> it's going well. Like, what should I do? Like when if we talk about money and blah, blah, blah. And he told me something I forgot. But basically, I threw it all out the window um, and I just accepted whatever you gave me. I was like, man, I just want to move to New York City. I want to work for this dude. I don't really care. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. So I made you an offer on the spot while you were still in New York. And I took it. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's, let's just talk about some of the things that just came up here. And, you know, yeah. This is going down memory lane. I know. First off, the company that we're talking about, we continue to operate. It's called Brilliant Transportation. We do really high-end executive transportation, weddings and events. We specialize in like sprinter vans and in um, minibuses and you know, the reason that we do all that is we, we saw the writing on the wall with like the commoditization of ground transportation and black car services being killed by Uber. And so we moved up the chain into like super high end and up the chain into larger vehicles that, you know, aren't available on Uber. And so we were right. We made all the right calls and that business continues to operate. But that was where Charles and I started using HubSpot to write blogs. Blogging to get organic search results on Google to our website to for people to page. pick up the phone <laughs> and call us to get quotes for like van transportation. Yep. And, and then that went to the sales team and then we would have meetings. It's crazy to think about that. Right? Honestly. Like that that was like only three years ago how much the world has changed. And so one, I want to talk about, you know, what you interviewed for and then at some point in this podcast contrast it with like what we actually do on a daily basis and how far Today. we've come. Yeah. You know, like that journey. And then the other thing I want to talk about is just, you know, how much happenstance there is in life that I posted this ad that you responded, that I picked up the phone and called you. Like mm -hmm. I could have not, right? Like the other nine people that you said were, you sent your resumes to, yep. maybe they did call you. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they called you two weeks later. Maybe, you know, like whatever, but I picked up the phone and I called you and we had that conversation. Then you had the wherewithal to get on the bus like two days later and travel, what, six hours, eight hours? Eight hours. Eight hours. Yep. Um, 
and then we had the interview and the, you know when you say that i was jazzed about like more jazz than i should have been for a 22 year old well, then i was like, expecting I yeah okay then then you were expecting you know i think it's in my personality to be optimistic and excited mm -hmm. it's in my personality to take like risks i want to find like great opportunities that aren't obvious for others yeah um and i think that i like to surround myself with like young people and new ideas and so like knowing me now mm -hmm. it probably makes a little bit more sense oh, yeah. than Definitely. it did then yeah. right like you probably thought it was some middle-aged working stiff boss guy wall he's street like guy. yeah some yeah. wall street like stiff old guy and you're like why is he so excited to talk to me about hubspot yeah about <laughs> hubspot <laughs> yeah um so unpack that for me the first part was so i started doing all that mainly blogging so when i started I was doing written content, right? And at this time, three years ago, this is funny, at three years ago, video was like the big thing, right? Like, oh my God, all these companies are actually making videos now. This is a new concept. Now this is, you know, the only thing pretty much. But I had a big interest in making videos. Um, at my internship before, I had never picked up a camera and my boss was uh, creating some videos for his website, just, you know, him talking to the camera. And he's like, could you do this? And I was like, sure. You know, I'll give it a shot. And I really liked it. I like the storytelling aspect of it. I like how you can kind of do whatever you want. You can be creative. It's kind of a blank canvas, if you will. Um, and so we started doing a little bit of that. We dabbled around. I think the first video we made was like a happy holidays video. Remember that? Yeah. Well, I, that was a great video. It was. It but, got a lot of hits. But before, before that, actually... Brilliant Transportation had been creating a bunch of like videos because uh, again, I, I you hired a dude. Yeah, like a I like freelancer. I like to try and experiment and be innovative and so on. And so I hired a New York University, you know, film student guy who was freelancing, and we came and we did like product videos where I walked yeah. around and like demoed like this is the thirty six passenger, and yeah. you know, I mean, I think they were. Good they for were back what they then, were. right? Of course, but, they were really good for yeah, back then. Actually. Yeah, they were good for back then. And um, I will say that wasn't what you interviewed me on, though. Not it at was all. After you already we didn't were even interested, talk about yeah, that. you were like, "Do you do video, by the way?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've done it." Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it was. That's exactly what happened, right? Because yeah. I was paying this other freelancer guy, and they were pretty good. And he, I don't know, he was going to China or something. There was yeah. some like disconnect, and I kind of liked the traction that we were getting on the video and continued to believe in it. So I was just like, "Hey, Charles, can you do video?" You know, I was kind of like, "You're young and millennial, like you can do video, yeah. right?" And looking back on that. I did not know how to do video. Yeah, you're I like, said oh, I did. I was like, I've recorded something once. You I did not me. know you're the like, first yeah, one. Yeah, I've got something. Let me yeah, show you. I brought like my cheap little camera. Let me right? show you my reel. Oh my God, I remember this. So yeah, I sent you now looking at it as like the most embarrassing video, but it's hilarious to look at a video I made for a local meetup I did back home. That's right. And you were like, this is awesome. And I thought it was awesome too. I was like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to send him this bad boy. And now when I look at that, it's just like, oh, I shake my head. Um, but I remember I brought my girlfriend's camera at the time. It was a really cheap DSLR. It's probably like $600. Um, and we tried to film a video in the van. And I guess that's when I learned about lighting. Oh, and it yeah. was like super dark. It was your corporate van. It had black interior and there was like no lighting. It was at the end of the day and the video came out so grainy and noisy. And you're like, well, that doesn't look very good. You're like, I think you need a better camera. And he went out and bought like the most expensive camera you can buy, the was it the Mark D2 at the time? Like a $3,000 camera. I didn't even know how to operate it. And I just learned on that thing. And over the years, it's become mainly what I do now. 
almost exclusively, right? Almost exclusively. I do video content for and you. And before that, though, I just want to talk about something because, you know, I think a lot of people have a lot of really good positive influences who mean really well and aren't necessarily self-reliant. And one of the most interesting things that I recall from hiring you mm-hmm. was I don't recall making you the offer on the spot, although I'm not at all surprised. You know, I'm definitely a go-with-your-gut sort of person. And, yeah, you did. And I kind of feel like... Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I kind yeah. of feel like what's the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out. We learn, we part amicably, and I gave you an opportunity and whatever, right? So, like, I don't have this need to, to like, do due diligence for extended periods of time. And, like, I'm a big believer in the early bird and taking some risk. And so this was played out. But what was interesting to me in that whole process was I made you the offer. I could tell that you were excited. And then you like hesitated and paused and weren't sure you were going to take it because you went back to your family, your loved ones, your trusted ones, your circle of like influence and confidence. Yeah. And they gave you advice that right. was yeah. different. And I was kind of like shaking my head. I was like, I don't under, like, yeah. I don't comprehend the advice. Right. It was, um, there's two parts to it. So one of it was part of me just like seeing that was kind of like my stupid way of negotiating in a way. Like, let me just put it on my dad. Maybe I'll get a little more money. I didn't know. Right. right? So there, that's part of it. But the real part of it is, uh, my family, like I said, is from a small town, right? And moving from a small town to New York city is a big deal. And they were worried about me living in New York. More so, they were worried about me, like, not living in a safe area. They knew how expensive it is to live here. And, like, on that salary, can you live in a safe place? Are you going to be okay? Blah, blah. They have all these negative worries. And my thought at the time was just, like, I don't really care. You know, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to do it the New York City way. Um, And I don't know if you know this, but the whole time, I I was going to do it. I knew I was going to do it. But that was kind of, like, a card I was playing in a way to see, like, yeah, maybe I'll get a little more and I won't like, you know what I mean? Right. As the time has gone on, I've got a lot of raises and it's all been great. But that was just kind of like a card I played at the time. But my family really didn't want me to move here. No, I know. Yeah. And I could tell, like, I, I didn't know that it was necessarily like a negotiation tactic, but I a didn't, bad wasn't one. like, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't entirely surprised. I've negotiated with a lot of people. But what didn't, what really did catch me off guard was just sort of the advice of somebody saying like, don't take a risk, right? And <clears throat> that's just not consistent with like my brain. My brain doesn't work with like safety, security, you know, don't go far, don't don't be in a dangerous area. My brain is the yeah. exact opposite. It's just like you've gotten this opportunity, you got to do it. And I think, you know, knowing you now and maybe you can comment on this, you know, I know you're a big Casey Neistat fan mm-hmm. and you watch all of his videos and his story when he came to New York was like he came here with like 50 cents in his pocket and a dream, right? Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't far off from that. I probably came here with like $150 in my pocket and a job uh, lined up. But uh, And you stayed at Airbnb. I did. So it was funny. After, I think when I officially accepted, I knew I was going to say yes before I left, right? And you were like, oh, I'm going back into the city. Let me give you a ride to the bus station. I had the interview and I went back on the bus that night back to Virginia. And... Uh, Basically, I think in that car ride, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the job and I'm doing this. Right. And so we settled that. Um, and then basically, you, I got back the next day and I think you sent me a long text back in Virginia. And you're like, so when are you coming? And, you know, 
like I am. I was like, I'll be there in two weeks. Like, let me just figure some shit out. Let me sell my vehicle and right. some of the stuff I don't need, have a little bit of money so I can move up here. Um, and that's what I did. I think in two weeks I moved up. I had no idea where I was going to live. Um, but I found an Airbnb ironically and I stayed at it in Brooklyn for a week. I got it for seven days. And I said, during that seven days, I'm going to find a place to live in New York. I don't know anything about New York, but I'm gonna figure it out. And I got super lucky and I found a roommate. She was an older lady in Brooklyn, but she was willing to let me move in on a month by month basis. I found her like the Wednesday. I was like here for three days and I found her, which now knowing since I just bought right. my, or since I just rented my first actual apartment, it was a miracle. Anyway, um, got super lucky with that. And I moved in with her and uh, we just got to it right then. So once I got the place, it was. So oh, when do you ahead. think you moved in? Was it like January? Was it? No, it was before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving. I, um, oh, I remember I moved in. Uh, Halloween night, November 1st morning. Okay, cool. It was like the craziest <laughs> thing, man, because <clears throat> my dad and I arrived in Penn Station, and it was actually the only time since I've done all this where I thought I might have made the wrong decision, uh. right? Like, I got here at 2 in the morning, and Penn Station was full of hundreds, probably thousands of just drunk people in their costumes, and I'm, like, nervous, right? I've heard all these things like, oh, make sure you're not looking at your phone on the street, because people are going to know you're a tourist and they're going to rob you or something like this is all, this is stuff people think that don't live in New York. Um, so it's like two in the morning and I can't get a cab and I ended up like really stressing out and I got an Uber, I think, and I paid like $85, oh which is God. insane for me to get an Uber from Penn station to Brooklyn with like peak, peak timing, uh, on Halloween night. And I was like, I don't know, man. Uh, I was super stressed. I was like, I don't know. Can I do New York? Like, I knew I wanted to, but at that moment, I was questioning it. Yeah, on my well, first day. And and so, my my recollection was when Charles came to the office, he was all buttoned up in his like suit. Oh. He's, <laughs> he's all he's all buttoned up in his suit, and he was going to make his presentation. And I remember like the the confidence and the excitement. And he had done some like analysis. He'd shown you know, really good uh, intent and motivation. He clearly wanted the job. He'd spent some time on our website. And he basically just broke it down for us about like how simple it was going to be to get all the world's eyeballs and all the attention, oh, yeah. increase revenue like yeah. massively. And it was just wildly, wildly optimistic slash naive slash oh, like, you know. And yeah. so then, <laughs> and then, then the hard work began and yeah. those projections and like the easy... Yep. I don't regret it. No. Because it got me the job. <laughs> right. But do you realize like how, oh how much harder oh my God. this stuff is than like it appears on paper, right? Yeah. And I think everything in life too, right? Of course. Like, yeah. I, I, I saw a real opportunity um, with the website and what you guys are doing and what I had learned. But that's all I had ever done was I had learned. I had never executed on what I had learned. So just doing that in itself is the biggest lesson you could give. So yeah, it was a lot harder. <laughs> it was a lot harder. And you know, I think we did really, really we well. And well. we, we continued to um, push the blog and, and did more videos and continued to grow. And then that business, um, you know, we pivoted. I, I basically ended up closing it down the Los Angeles office mm -hmm. and then uh, pivoted yet again. And we sold the entire fleet so where we operated, we had chauffeurs and detailers and, you know, did all the maintenance and owned all the vehicles. We basically decided to 
I decided to sell off all the vehicles that it wasn't my passion. Um, maintenance, compliance, show for hiring, show for training became um, all consuming. That's all I did. I spent no time with clients. I spent no time with like professionals. I spent no time on a creative side of myself. I didn't even know I really had one other than, you know, dreaming up this business that never existed and introducing the world to a new way of travel. And like, I feel really good about that. Uh, but I just realized it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. And so we started to pivot and then we pivoted again and then we closed an office and then we started to think about was that a models. Was that a single moment in time that you made that decision or did that progress well, over months? The, the, there was a progression about like dissatisfaction, right? Like it, it felt like no matter how much I was pushing and hiring and, and spending more money and bringing in new managers and new human resources and new sales. To, I mean, you saw we, we hired, no. you know, at our peak, we probably had 30 people or more on payroll. And, um, you know, it was a big risk. So if we had a bad month, it was a huge loss. And if we had a good month, the upsides weren't all that great. And, yeah. and I just spent all my time and energy running human resources. And I stopped to think about, did I become an entrepreneur to be human resources? Or did I become an entrepreneur to create something that excited me and that I wanted to do every single day. And it had basically grown into something that I wasn't excited to be doing every single day. And then the question was, well, how no. do you unwind it? And, you know, from a business perspective, there's millions of books that talk about how to build a business. And I've never seen one that talks about how to dismantle a business. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, it wouldn't sell too well. No, <laughs> but, but you know what, that's what I found myself doing. And so, um, I had to figure it all out. And once I realized that like, I wasn't satisfied, then it became sort of like a single point in time. That dissatisfaction, and we just interviewed um, Jim earlier about mindfulness, and that's on the podcast. Also, if you haven't listened to that, check that out. But once I became aware and mindful of the fact that I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, then it became a singular focus on like exit, pivot, how do I do it as fast as possible with losing as little money as possible. And then what if anything is salvageable? Like how do we, and, and it turns out, you know, to our credit, I think we did a really good job because it continues to be a very successful business. It continues to serve a lot of clients all over the world quite well. And it's really been the platform that's allowed us to develop new businesses, test new ideas, yeah. some of which exist today and some of which don't. Mm -hmm. And then also ultimately like, freed us up from a financial perspective to create a YouTube channel with like z absolutely zero revenue and no hopes of revenue. Nope. Right. No so one's without even watching. that, yeah. So without that business generating profit, yeah. I don't think you and I would sit here and say like, let's create a YouTube channel. Let's give it a full year. Yeah. We have absolutely no revenue, but I'll pay you your salary, Charles. Yep. Talk about the videos we created. I think it was during that time period of dissatisfaction the projects we started that kind of molded into what we're doing right now with like the uh, Simply Brilliant show and I don't know what else we were doing, but I feel like all that stuff really played into what we're doing now and made us a lot better at what we do now and how we can help people. Yeah, well, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur is constant, right? There's no like nine to five. And so I crazy ideas come into my head like all the time. And in fact... I have to curtail it, right? I have like yeah. far more ideas and far more energy than, than is necessarily healthy. And so we created 
Um, and we still run a business called Lifesaver Software. Yep. Um, I don't know that we created any videos, but we did like yeah, a few demos and stuff and some webinars. But we basically took a tool that we developed for ourselves, a proprietary sauce, and we resold it to the industry. And, you know, that's a good business. It's not growing because we don't spend any time or energy on it, but it serves the community pretty well. And it's almost all profit because it was software that we developed for ourselves. And then we just like turned it around and resold it. We tried to create a platform, um, Hubmost, and that, oh, yeah. yeah, like we spent a lot of time and energy and money on that. And like that actually didn't go anywhere. Yep. Um, we still have the technology and who knows, it might get like re revived in some other way. Um, then I think we had this idea to create this show, which is still on YouTube. It's called Simply Brilliant. Throwback. Yeah. And it's basically like, you know, we were doing these motivational type meetings uh, internally for the team. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me and um the concept was to use some of that same sort of like messaging for others to see mm -hmm. if others would find it helpful and so we started with video and man those first like all of them actually looking at them it's like painful it's like on a gopro 2 yeah in the complete darkness right terrible audio it's hilarious it's hilarious yeah. but like you have to start somewhere right yeah and so and so we did and i think we created like 30 or 40 of those episodes yeah um, and I would take like my little GoPro on the road and as I traveled and just continue to film them. And, you know, I think the point there was we were getting better at it and you were editing more video and I was on camera more. And the nice thing about it was that we were disciplined and consistent. And so like that was helpful. Um, you know, what was big about that though. We had created a lot of videos up until that point, but that was actually the first content we ever made. Like if we were being honest with ourselves, every other content piece we had ever made was a product video or yeah. something that was like you know we're selling this we're backhanding selling you this right now like i'm showing you the van or uh i'm selling myself or this was just like you know what let's just make something we have no idea what's going to happen and just talk to the camera i don't know and not that anything came of it on the back end but i think internally it was one of the biggest things we ever did actually well, I think it was one of the biggest things we ever did. And I would say that what did come of it was we made one video that went somewhat viral within like the limo, the limo. space. You know, I started yeah. talking about like Uber and what I saw happening in New York and who was using it and how they were using it. And I didn't even distribute it really to the limo industry or anything, but I went to a conference and everyone was like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, you're that guy. And it was clear that it had reached people. It had touched a nerve. And then all of a sudden my presence in that space elevated and I got invited to like speak at different conferences. And so it wasn't like it was, fell on deaf ears. No. It was great exercise. It really helped us hone our skills a little bit. Um, we got into that sort of like film production mode and consistency. On a schedule. We did it yeah. weekly. Yeah. And so like, I think it was really, really good. Um, and did we start any other businesses or... I think that's, yeah, I think that was pretty much it. We started yeah. getting a little bit more into um, content. And then I remember uh, I was on vacation in Croatia and started to think about sort of like the future. And one of the things that I think was really helpful with brilliant transportation was even though I had a very innovative service, it was in the wrong industry. The industry yeah. had already been disrupted yep. and convincing people to pay more money for more service is just, it's a hard sell to grind. Yeah. It's a grind. And 
you know, people are competing on price and, you know, Uber's practically giving it away and they're losing billions of dollars. And it just, you know, and then also I found that um, a lot of the uh, people that we were interfacing with in the limo space, really hardworking, small business owners, mom and pop, entrepreneurs, like really, really good people, but not necessarily very sophisticated and also like no innovation and no like budget for like risk, right? So there was not a lot of commonality. (laughs) Well, right, thus the disruption. That's why like a Silicon Valley guy, Uber, came in and just like ate their lunch. Right. But similarly, I didn't find that I was enjoying a lot of my peer-to-peer dialogue where I would be trying to talk about like new technology and innovation and this and that. And I just didn't, it wasn't, Beating a dead horse. Yeah, it wasn't compatible. Um, And so the content thing, and one of the things that I said earlier about like hanging with younger people and innovation and disruption, you know, like I'll be honest, I never watched YouTube. I never understood YouTube. And Charles sent me, I remember you sent me some text once about like some Casey Neistat video. I forget what the video was or why you sent it to me. And I clicked on it. I was watching. I was like, who is this wacko? Like, why is he sending me this? Like, what's going, like, what is this? You know, it was just like totally out of left field. And I was like, I was like, do you know this guy? I had no idea who he was, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, you know what's even funnier though? Ironically, you got me started on YouTube. I just don't think you knew it. So we had one of our Monday meetings and you mentioned the idea, this is way back in the beginning, you were like, I'd like to start some kind of daily show or weekly show and put it on YouTube like Gary Vaynerchuk. And I didn't even know who Gary Vaynerchuk was, which is crazy to even think about because I watch him almost every day now. So I went home that night and I looked up Gary V. And, uh, you know, at first you're like, who the hell is this guy? So annoying. And then you start listening more and you're like, this guy's actually really awesome. So that's what got me started in the YouTube community and like got me realizing like YouTube is going to be this platform that's going to overtake people's entertainment for the night. Instead of watching cable and watching ESPN and whatnot, I really think people are going to start tuning into YouTube and these independent creators. And ever since then, I just, you know, someone would get mentioned and then somehow Casey Neistat was on Gary V's show. That's how I found him. And so I started watching him and, I think both of us watching all of those people allowed us to pick up on the little subtleties they do and morph it into our own thing. And I think it's actually a really huge part in how our audience has come to watch us and like what we do. Totally. And so I remember just thinking when I was in Croatia, I was like, you know, I picked the wrong industry. I had a great service. It's still a good business, but my next industry is going to be a growing industry and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And so I started to think about like industries and what was going on. I'd read this book called Exponential Organizations. Um, and I realized that like all these industries that were growing exponentially fast were asset free. And the, so that really helped me with like the total like sale of all the vehicles because before then it was kind of a hybrid. Like, well, maybe I'll own these specialty vehicles only. And, yeah. and then I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to own any vehicles and I don't want to employ any detailers or no mechanics and no detailers and no human resources. Like, let's just follow the lead. And then I started to think even more broadly. I was like, you know, I'm a pretty big believer in real estate and I've done quite well in real estate and I've got long-term real estate and I've got short-term real estate. And like, I don't know that everybody's following this. And so then I remember coming back from 
from Croatia. I don't know what I said to you. Do you remember what I said or how we talked about it first? About Airbnb? Just Airbnb and content. Yeah, I remember it. I was... At the time, our office was in Brooklyn, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. A 10,000-square-foot office that housed, like, uh, 20 like people. vans. And, <laughs> yeah, it had, like, 20 vans in it and, yeah. and, and like, roll-up doors and yeah. heating and air conditioning and then a 2,500-square-foot, like, space that had, like, at peak, like, 10 or 15 employees in there and a yeah. little kitchenette and And at this time, it was, like, four. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, at this point, yeah, I... Had, so, we had downsized to four. Yeah. Which was really depressing. Well... Yes and no. You know, we were moving in a different direction, but you could look at it like that. And, no, I'm just know. saying like the the space itself. That's very true. Yeah, yeah was, I'm not saying that the business was depressing. warehouse and there was no one in it really. So yes. And uh, at this time I'd moved from Brooklyn to Manhattan. So I'd walk over the Pulaski Bridge into Queens every night and then take the subway back into Manhattan. And you called me and you were like, Hey, I have a new idea. And it's kind of like, all right, Richard with another idea. Um, <laughs> You're like, and, what uh, now? Yeah, dude? now what? Um, and it was actually super interesting because I could tell um, you were really passionate about it and you had a lot of success f- with it. And you and I both kind of realized that most people probably don't know this. Even back then, when was this? Like a year I and got, a half I ago? Went in September. Yeah, like I a year like and a half ago. Yeah. Um, even back then, Airbnb was just like this couch surfing thing in most people's mind. And you telling people that, you know, I rent out my flat in Manhattan on Airbnb for a lot of money per night would surprise a lot of people even a year and a half ago. Um, so I think you and I just kind of recognized there was a big opportunity to teach people about this. And we talked for like an hour and our plans at the beginning were a lot different than what they are now. Um, we went with a more monetization strategy in the beginning with Facebook ads and selling courses. And, you know, we learned a lot around that time. And we just kind of said, you know what? No one knows who we are. Even though you have all this expertise, no one knows who we are. And they're not going to know unless we start giving away free content. And I think we started on like a weekly schedule. We just make tip videos on YouTube and that kind of grew. And eventually we abandoned the original monetization strategy with the courses. And we just went all in on building an audience. Well, yes and no. Um, We didn't go all in because you still work for Brilliant. Yeah. And you still spent, yeah. So you still spent some of your time on like, the Brilliant Transportation website and whatever marketing and uh, we weren't really sending emails or anything. So I'm not sure exactly what you did, but I know that some of your time was involved with Brilliant and then we also had Lifesaver and so you were working with that a little bit. And it was then, a mess. Yeah, <laughs> and then you were also spending time with um, with uh, one video per YouTube. week. Yeah, one video per week and that was sort of our commitment level. And then I think we really got serious about it right before my summer, right? The epic 55 day journey. Was that when you said to me, I want a hundred days and I want to focus only on Airbnb short term. Yeah. It was, it was short term rental secrets, right? Yeah. At the time, short term rental secrets. Yeah. I felt this, um, we just got done talking with Jim and I brought up minimalism and simplifying your life. And I definitely had some stress around like, managing marketing for three companies. I did not like it. And I think that's why I'll never work for a marketing agency. I I just, I don't like that unnecessary stress. I like to work on like one thing at a time. So I think I brought that to you 
and I said, uh, let's just focus on this. Like, this is obviously what you and I are both most passionate about at the moment. And you're about to leave, uh, for 55 days. Let's just, let's just grow the audience. Let's just keep putting out videos. We put out three a week, uh, your entire summer. Um, and I think we always just like do things for like three months and then evaluate and change. And that's what we did at that time. And I think, you know, I, I can't remember exactly where we were, but I know it was really, really small, right? Like we filmed the hundred Not even a thousand. Video. We filmed the hundred video, hundred subscriber video in March when we were in San Diego. Yeah. And then I left, let's call it like 4th of July weekend. We just crossed a thousand subscribers. And it was that's, a huge deal. That's still pretty good if we had 100 in March. We grew and, fast. Yeah, we grew kind of fast at that point, right? Yeah. Um, and so then we, we sort of committed to that. And then I went on the epic 55-day journey, uh, which was a great time. And you had plenty of like content we had filmed in advance. And I was sending you Instagram stories. And we, we created those uh, videos. And then we came back and, and really drilled down on what it is that we were doing and continued to refine and... and learn and so on and that launched the short-term rental store with like yeah. the fast dry sheets and yep. towels right yep. and now we're adding no that actually that happened before you left the sheets and the towels oh we filmed those videos yeah because we released them while you were gone that's what we right. did but i remember while you were gone i would leave our office which is across the street from your house or was and i would walk over here and ship them myself while you were gone that's right. Yeah, so um, around July is when we started with that. So we started with that, and then we did um, uh, any other businesses that we launched along Within the way? Within that? Um, no, but at that time when you came back, we talked about a membership. It didn't manifest for months, but we were like, we need to start a membership and make this sustainable make it into something where we can make a bigger impact and be financially secure to keep doing this in the future. And then I think you and I just kind of riffed for months until we found something we liked and we hired some people that had done it before and we learned and um, yeah, it was a process, but I yeah. think it's been a success so far. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we talk about at um, the membership level at short-term rental universities, kind of like you have to treat these things like a business not necessarily because the profit is important, but because it gives you the foundation and the security and the profit can lead to growth and expansion. And so like my fear um, was that God forbid something happens to brilliant, brilliant transportation, you know, uh, Uber introduces the same sort of service and everyone goes that way. Or um, God forbid there's an accident and we get sued and that business closes. And then all of a sudden, you know, the profits that we were taking from that and funneling into like the growth of short term, rental secrets at the time, you know, is gone. And now all of a sudden, you know, am I going to reach into my pocket to pay Charles and Hardik and Elias and Melissa and all the other people that continue to work with us? Or, you know, is it time to take this? Is there enough interest and are we adding enough value that we can monetize it in some fashion, deliver great value, change people's lives, and yet make this business, you know, stand on its own feet as opposed yeah. to being like, always begging for more yeah and then i would say we're still learning right like this just launched and we might stumble out the gate but i'm very confident we'll figure it out in the coming months and we'll get a real system in place and start adding a lot more value than we are giving away for free 
based on the resources we now have. Well, look, I mean, we just had our first expert series with uh, Jim and we were talking about it after we were done with it. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, check it out. If you're a member and you haven't seen the Facebook Live, like go check that out. But it was with intent that when we start the membership classes, we start with like, why? Yeah. Right. And then it's intent again, not by accident. It's designed that our first expert is to talk about mindfulness and getting like your head um, to be your ally as opposed to your enemy. And we talk about like mind and body and, you know, we're really trying to build people and, and entrepreneurs so that you can accomplish what it is that you're trying to do. And, you know, Jim said it during the podcast, he said it was kind of corny. I don't think it's corny at all. And I've said this to you and we read the comments and the emails and the feedback and we share them like, it's incredibly rewarding to be helping as many people as we are helping mm-hmm. and as deeply as, as we're helping. And I'm very humbled and honored that we have people's attention and trust. Um, and it's become, you know, a passion and a responsibility. And this is literally where we spend all of our time now. Yeah. And I think you and I don't expect anything from our audience, right? Like when we announced the meetup thing, in my mind, I was like, there's probably going to be some locations where no one shows up. Like I just, I don't blame people. That's a big commitment to take time out of your day to meet up with someone that you've only seen online. I was just like, in my own mind, not that I'm a pessimist, but I'm setting the expectations in my mind that I'm not going to be upset if no one shows up. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. Um, And then people did. Right. And so I was through the roof that like four people showed up in New York city and then 10 in LA and 15 in Houston and, about 15 in Chicago. And it was amazing to see, you know, pretty much people are just numbers to us and, you know, little pictures and their profile to see them in person. And it's just really, it's so cool. It's a lot more rewarding than typical stuff. I guess you could say like getting a raise or getting more money. It's like that kind of stuff is just so much more rewarding to me. Well, because we're actually having an impact. It's legacy, right? right? It's legacy over currency as Gary V says. Yeah, and I think um, an area that we didn't touch on, but I think was kind of instrumental in us really gravitating towards this Airbnb channel and this opportunity was going to Airbnb Live in Los Angeles in 2016, Yep, listening to all the speakers, meeting all these other hosts and so on, um, documenting it. We created a lot of content and video and stuff, and it's like that was super cool. And then at or about that time, Again, just completely organically, you asked me about like the concept of you becoming a host, mm-hmm. right? And so it was sort of like, here's proof. Like we have our first student, so That's to true. speak, right? Yeah. And it true. wasn't like, hey, Charles, I want you to host. I want you to l- listen to these lessons and I want you to go no, do you didn't it ask me. at all. Mm-mm. You came to me, yeah, right? Yeah. And to put it into context, if you don't know, I live in a typical Manhattan apartment. It's smaller than most. It's a one bedroom. Um, it's on the fifth floor. So I didn't have an extra bedroom to put on Airbnb, but being at the conference, um, and I think this is something I've started to mold, um, as I've grown is okay. That most people will stop there, right? Like, all right, I don't have an extra bedroom. I can't do it. But I just started thinking, all right, would, would someone stay in the living room? You know, it, would that affect our life? Um, how much would we have to do it? Um, you know, do we get a 
the sleeper sofa? What does that look like? And just started asking questions. And I think I came to you at that point. And I was like, you think anyone would do this? And the first thing you said was, you should ask Hillary first. <laughs> and I was like, I already did. So I had already gone, I'd already crossed that off. And you were like, yeah. And so pretty much we made a few videos uh, in December, but I was already getting the process rolling. And by January 1st, I had already started. And it was huge. It was a really good thing for me in 2017. And so I think that that gave us both confidence that we were doing something and doing something right. And the opportunity was bigger and broader than like just Richard. And, and you know, you were having success and you were using the same, you know, sort of suggestions and advice and listing headlines and photos and like all that stuff. And so I think not only did it embolden and, and make me more comfortable with it, but you too behind the scenes and like oh, directing yeah. and so on, like you could buy into the project because it made you had the like touched so it. much better. Yeah. Right? So like, had you not done it, oh yeah, this would have just been like filming maybe, you know, the vans at brilliant transportation. Like, yeah, I like the vans. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I, I don't own it's them. Cool. I'm not in them. Yep. But the fact that you were now like living and breathing and became a super host and all that, you're kind of like, yeah, this this has the opportunity to impact a lot of people. Yeah. And, and that helped me because I was kind of like, well, here's a guy who's never really done it before. He's heard of it. There's all these reasons he shouldn't do it. He overcame all those obstacles. And then, you know, you set a really audacious goal, which is like to pay for your wedding. And then you did that and you're like, I'll pay for my honeymoon. And I was like, okay, what's next? And I just think organically, it's sort of like, was oxygen to the fire that, 100%. that we both needed. Yeah. The beginning of 2017 was a really interesting period for me um, because I started Airbnb. Um, I started flipping stuff on eBay and then I started doing a little bit of side work, um, filming weddings. And those three things just kind of like made me realize like you got to have more than one source of income. And you had said this to me, but it was the first time in my life I had made money outside of a job. You know, I would, I would interview for a job, I'd get the job and I would get paid and I would consider that a success. But it's the first time where it's kind of eye-opening, like there's other ways to make money in this world. And I know that's something you grew up with, with your father, but um, that's not how I grew up, right? Like in the small town, it's very like you get the job, you do the 401k, you get the house after 30 years and then you give it to their kids and they probably mishandle it and sell it for, you know, <laughs> less than they should have. And I just like, I never really subscribed to that, but it sounds weird, but I didn't have an answer to combat it. And I think at the beginning of last year, that was kind of the small answer for me is like being, feeling more secure financially and figuring out other ways to make money is very liberating. Absolutely. Right. It's like f the freedom of, like being self-reliant and mm -hmm. doing what it is that you want to do. And I, I also think we did a few things uh, together that were outside of like the work domain, right? So I remember, you know... Um, well, like Motley Fool? And stuff. Yeah, like we yeah. went to the Motley Fool conference down in D.C., which was an investor conference. These are, if you guys don't know them, uh, two brothers, the Motley Fool. They founded it probably 10 years ago. It's a stock-picking um, service and they've got a bunch of free content and you know I think they're really interesting and I credit them for you know I, I'm I'm a very successful uh, investor and I invest in a historically very traditional fashion I ran a big four billion dollar hedge fund um, and I measured things that like you know Warren Buffett and Graham and Dodd talk about like value investing and price earning multiples and so on and and I credit the Motley Fool for helping me 
um, break outside that mold and take some other risks and things like buying Amazon, which was not profitable and um, wouldn't be profitable for years. And yeah, I think I asked you at that conference because <clears throat> knowing your past with your career uh, working on Wall Street, I was like, do other Wall Street guys come to this? And you were like, you're like, no, dude. No chance. But that's a really interesting point, right? Like just trying new things, even if people think it's silly. Like, and that's not silly at no. all now, but like the people you worked with might think like, oh, Molly Fool is for amateurs or whatever. And you're like, no, give it a shot. Yeah, no. And, and so like took some risks and, and had some success and continued to take more risks and double down and make more money. And I've made an incredible amount of money on, on stocks that I wouldn't have traditionally considered um, that have turned out to be, you know, home runs of home runs. And so like that was amazing. Um, and the same thing can be said right now in like the crypto space where yeah. traditional Wall Street guys and Jamie Dimon at Chase and every like central banker and everything says it's a fraud and it's a bubble and this and that. And like the story's still being written. I'm not saying they're wrong and, and the crypto society is right, but I'm just saying touch wood, I've done very, very well by taking a chance there again, small calculated position and then growing it as I got more comfortable and I learned and so on. Yeah. But but the um, the point that I was making is, and, and I'll never forget this, you, you had expressed an interest in learning to about investing and started asking some questions. And I was like, hey, I'm going down to the DC thing. Why don't you come with me? And uh, my ex-wife at the time just thought that was like the craziest thing ever. She's oh, like, really? She's like, well, why? I don't understand. Like, why are you taking Charles? <laughs> and I was like, well, because he's expressed an interest in learning about stocks. And she's like, but what is that? Like, I don't, I don't understand. And like now looking back on it, we just had completely divergent views. You know, for yeah. me, it was kind of like an opportunity to grow you and to share some time together and like invest in you as a human mm -hmm. and not as like a, an analyst or not yeah. as like an employee. Yeah. Right. Outside the box. Well, just like. Good common sense to me is like to grow people. Right. And yeah, doing the right thing is always the right thing, as I say, right? Yeah, right. So like I was just like, well, I, I, and like I just couldn't comprehend the line of question. I didn't have an answer because I didn't <laughs> understand the question, you know? Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, I think, you know, it was a really cool moment for me. Um, and I forget where we were going, but, you know, we got on an airplane together. And we went somewhere and you were like, you know never done this before oh i'd never been on a flight now yeah. i've flown a, a bunch of times, i know actually yeah first time i went to la i'd never been on. was a that flight. the first flight was to la yeah when we went to uh gretch and we vlogged that actually so that's all out there on youtube on your personal channel but yeah i'd never been on a plane before that now i fly all the time right and so like these are kind of cool things for people you know if you're listening and you've got a small business or you want to be an entrepreneur or anything like you know, I, I don't know what the, the return on investment is on Flying Charles and buying a seat and this and that, but I didn't think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, hey, I'm going to California to meet with these people. Why don't you come? We'll document the whole thing. Oh, you've never been on a plane? Well, check it out. I'll show you LA. It's going to be cool. And, you know, I don't know if that's partially responsible for why we've stuck together for three years through six different, you know, businesses and business cycles and, you know, my separation and divorce and moving and like all the personal stuff that I've been going through. But like, I don't know that that's a common characteristic of just employer and employee where it's like, yeah. Come with me. Just no. check this thing out. Yeah. What I would say was I'm probably going to be, um, and I've spoken to Melissa about this too. I'm probably unemployable now to other people. That's the thing. <laughs> so your ROI is I couldn't, I could never 
like sit at the desk and like go to the office like nine to five and like that's your job like my job is very chill right like we come here and we film and now it's even more chill where like I edit in coffee shops and I'm always thinking about different things and I bounce ideas off you and like that's going to be uh, that's hard to beat you know well, what I mean so there's ROI in that right? yeah absolutely like, but but you know that's me growing as a person too which is the fact that I wanted that for myself, right? Like I stopped coming to the warehouse in Brooklyn. I started working from home. I started keeping like eight traditional hours and working like when I felt like it and not working when I didn't feel like it. And yet I wanted my like team and my employees to maintain like a certain, I don't think I was very controlling per se, but like a more traditional business environment. And as I got more and more confident in what it was that we were doing and that it was working for me and so on, to your point earlier, like I encouraged multiple streams of income and, and, you know, I became confident in the fact that I was offering you stuff that you couldn't find elsewhere and encourage you to take some of these side gigs and now encourage you to work from home and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a progression yeah. that would have been a threat, you know, like two years ago, be like, what do you mean you want to work from home and you want to do Charles Hurley films and you want to like, and now, productive and, yeah. And yeah. now I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, like you want to do these films. Let me introduce you to some people who may or may not need them, and you can pick and choose. And like, it's it's no it's longer doing the right thing. That's all it is. Well, it's just thing. no longer a threat, right? It's kind of like I'm confident. It, it's kind of like it's the right thing for you. It's the right thing for me, which means it's the right thing for our audience, and it's the right thing for the business. And that's just hard to like. It's not linear, right? It's no. like a journey. You have to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I truly think I'm unemployable at this point. Like, <laughs> it's just so tough, man. Like, what is someone going to offer me double the money and then I don't value money over happiness, so that's not going to happen? And I just don't think there's jobs out there like the one I have. I really don't think that exists. It doesn't. Else. No. no, it really it doesn't. It doesn't exist. No. And, and, and it was it, a process to get here. You know, it was very traditional at first, but, like, now. But but what that, what that says is just, like, how cool – the journey has been right mm -hmm. like you came into to to blog and handle marketing for a transportation company yeah. as an employee and now you're like no i'm i'm self-reliant i can't be hired by anybody else you know mm -hmm. like i continue to enjoy working on this project and i'm going to continue to work on this project but like yeah it's changed lives yeah. right it's not like you learned skills in a marketing role right Right. Yeah. And then I would say from the beginning, my opinion was always heard, even though I was always the youngest student in the office. Anytime I had an opinion, it was listened to. Um, and that goes a really long way. It just does. Um, and I think about this sometimes is when we're talking about marketing, I always jump in and I give my thoughts and everyone listens. You're talking about investing. I, I'm sure you noticed. I just shut the hell up. I just like, <laughs> let me just take all the information. I don't know anything. Um, but having that confidence around all the marketing knowledge that I've learned, I'll always chip in. I don't care who we're on the phone with. We can be on the phone with Gary V himself. I'm going to chip in. Right. Um, but at the same time, when someone knows um, something about a topic that I'm interested in, they know a lot more than I do. I just sit there and listen, you know? So. Yeah. And, but you know, that, that bears a little discussion there too because one of the things that I always admired about you was the willingness to take a hard stance even against me yeah right like I disagree and so we've had many I don't want to call them heated but 
we both had strong opinions about different things and you stood your line and you know at the end of the day if you're open-minded then you have to respect that right. right like i don't want to surround myself with people that either don't have opinions yeah, value my right. opinion more than theirs like mm -hmm. how do i grow right? right and so i think like this journey we've both benefited from the fact that we've been open-minded we're seeking the truth we're willing to take risks the numbers don't lie we've got a long game right we started with zero subscribers and it was like yeah we yeah. have no chance of making any money but let's just do this and see what happens and let's have fun along the way yeah and then i think we've been really intelligent as we like read the numbers and see the influence and see what opportunities and what products and you know we developed that guidebook i think that was your idea wasn't it mm -hmm. yeah i would say for to bring value to others it takes two to tango with that kind of thing for two people to grow alongside one another. I have to be, I can't be a yes man. I'll never be that on topics that I know stuff about, but at the same time, when you say something, you'll notice like sometimes I disagree. Sometimes I'm like, that's a really good idea. And then you do the same. It's, it can never be one person always putting strong opinions out there with no willingness to receive any. And right. that's really crucial. The, we do that all the time. We have a really good cadence with that. Yeah, no, I think it's really good. And, and you know, it's happened sometimes in like um, some of these videos where you're directing me in a way that like I disagree and I'm like, okay, we'll just do it your way, right? And like at the end of the day, that's what a director's for, right? Like yeah. I'm just a talent, yeah. right? That used to be a thing, by the way, people. When we used to film before short-term rental secrets, it would just be like I turned on the camera and Richard just riffed for like a whole take a really long time. And I wasn't confident in my directing back then. There were things I thought like, I don't like how we started like that and ended like this. And I thought the ending was too long, but I would never say it. I wasn't confident enough back then. Um, but at some point I just, it was like right around the time we started short-term rental secrets. I was just like, I'm just going to start directing. Yeah. Cause I thought that's where I added the most value. It wasn't in how I lit the room and the audio equipment. It was like, I think the most value can I add in this situation is what I think makes a good video. And then that built a lot of confidence in my directing. Ability. Yeah, and, and I had confidence in your ability to direct and your knowledge because like you were much more YouTube focused than me. Although, you know, you said earlier in this comment, uh, in this podcast that you envision the a time when people just turn to YouTube as their nightly source of entertainment and, and not cable TV, which we know, yeah. but not even Netflix. And it turns out, it's the only thing I watch. There's yeah, nothing on like Netflix that I watch. There's nothing on cable that I watch. It's like, it's YouTube or nothing. Yeah. And, um, and as I started to do that, I was like, yeah, well, Charles watches a lot more YouTube than I do. So like he knows what works and the directing style and so on. And then I gave you names to watch. Cause exactly. I knew it was important for you to figure out how successful YouTubers did it. You know, how they talk to the people. Yeah. Now, one thing that I think is really important that we mention. um, is a total 100% thank you and shout out to Hardik, yeah. who, you know, we haven't mentioned in this podcast at all, but I hired Hardik probably a year or more before you. Mm -hmm. And he has just been so incredibly beneficial on the back end of everything and development and website and email. I mean, you just throw that guy anything and he just yeah. like tackles it, which frees us up to do the front of the house sort of like, yeah, I mean, let's talk about Hardik for a second. So here's a dude who is literally always happy, right? Like you guys will meet him more in the Facebook group, but you can put anything on his plate 
and he's happy to do it. And I can't say the same about myself. I think you as well. I don't care what we throw at Hardick. He's like super happy to do it. And I think that comes probably with this culture and it's a lot different than over here, but I've learned a lot from Hardick as well. Right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, super intelligent, super and... motivated. I think the guy doesn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. And, and he just has a great attitude and he's running, you know, four businesses and I don't know, 16 websites and you name it. And he's got it all like dialed up and buttoned up and, deadlines and landing pages and funnels and countdown timers and Shopify and everything you know, Stripe and PayPal and like it hurts my brain to even think about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't even know I don't know how you organize it. But yeah. one of my highlights and where I kicked off the epic fifty five day journey was in flying to India and hanging out with the dude. You know, like we traveled to India all together. And here was another case in point and um we're gonna do a video and we're gonna introduce Hardik to you so like this isn't gonna be a spoiler or anything. But here I was like traveling around India with Hardik who's you know, native Indian. And um, it didn't even occur to me that he'd never been to anywhere that we were going, that this was like the first time he was going to the Taj Mahal and the first time he was going to, you know, Delhi and all this stuff. Yeah. Like it just, it, it's, it's eye opening. It's enlightening. It's gratifying. It's like, you know, amazing for me to be able to, to encourage people to travel and experience new flavors and cultures and see things yeah and like that's life yeah so it's really cool yeah i remember him being really nervous about you coming just like always willing to like do whatever it takes to please and make people happy and there's just a lot you can learn from people like hardick yeah it's amazing yeah. it's amazing and yeah. um you know i just really really am very grateful and very appreciative and um very honored that he's uh taken the time and interest to dedicate to to myself and all of my crazy cockamamie schemes and ideas and failures and successes and you know like who would have thought it right <laughs> yeah i know yeah and so i think that's the big takeaway and i think we probably close we've riffed for a bit but i think the big takeaway is every single thing that we talked about here was not planned couldn't be planned is a bunch of small risks and keeping your mind open and seeing what's working and seeing what isn't working. And, you know, we're not talking about the 30 other people that came and went in the process and all the other services and businesses and softwares. What we're talking about is, you know, a, a small group of people that enjoy working with one another, that have mutual respect, that are growing as individuals. And as a consequence of that, as a byproduct of us growing one another, businesses are growing, influence is growing, we're helping more people. And um, I said this when I was interviewing Jim on the podcast, but if you had told me even five years ago when, when I was running Brilliant Transportation that I'd be spending all my time and energy on a YouTube channel and some private Facebook groups and talking about Airbnb and entrepreneurship, I'd be like, no, nah, dude, You're you got crazy. the wrong guy. Yeah. You got the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a wild journey, for sure. And and to your point before, like you had never really picked up a camera or done any editing, right? Like that blows people's mind when I tell them that because they give you tons of compliments. They watch a video like, "Wow, Charles did that really nice. I love that segue. I love that edit. Wow, that's amazing. I love the music." And I'm like, "They're like, where'd you find them?" 
and I'm like, go ahead and try and find them. Yeah, you have to like I didn't know create anything. them, right? Like, yeah, I put on the front, like, yeah, I'd made a video before. <laughs> At the time, that was kind of cool because no one was making videos, but like, I was not, I didn't do film in school, I didn't do any of that in school, and I really did think I knew what I was doing. But now looking at it, I didn't know anything. And that's pretty awesome to look back on, actually. It's incredible. <laughs> and and we, we keep doing it. And that's my point. We have a pattern of doing it. So Charles needed some help with um, editing. We just, as we ramped up from one video a week to three videos a week to five videos a week and then courses. And Charles needed some help with editing. I was like, okay, let's do it. So the way that we did it, why don't you describe how we hired the person that helps you with the editing yeah. and like the speed of it and just like give people ideas because like you know for you and i it's kind of like this is yeah. the way we do it yeah. but to everyone else when i tell somebody else to do that they're like yeah that doesn't work yeah and let me go back before that i to give you a lot of credit um when i started i had made a few videos but i really expressed the interest in making videos i don't know at some point in time and i think you curtailed what i did to go towards my strengths. Am I right? Yeah. Like eventually you just started saying, you start giving me more video ideas and you know, it was like 50% of my job and then 75 and now it's almost a hundred. And so I think it's important for people to recognize what people enjoy and what their strength is and just figure out ways to utilize them in that capacity. Um, but yeah, we, before you went away, we filmed all of these courses, which we still have. Um, and we had committed to three times a week for YouTube and I was like, man, we need some help with editing for the first time. Um, and I don't know how to find these people. And you were like, why don't you just like tweet at D rock? Who's Gary Vaynerchuk's video guy. Just tweet at him and see if he, he knows anyone. It actually is a brilliant strategy because, uh, I don't know if he replied or he liked it, but obviously the people that follow him are the people we were looking for. They're like, um, they're hungry. They probably have pretty good skills if they pay attention to D rock and this dude named Aiden, 18 years old, uh, replied back and he's been editing. Uh, How long did it take him to reply back? Oh, it was like within an hour, right? Yeah. Not and even. then I got on the phone with him and I like the dude and he's, he's hilarious. He he's is hilarious. just like a goof, but I thought he was like, yeah, I'm just finishing up school and just looking to make some money on the side. And I was like, great. I thought he just finished college. Little I know he was like 17 or whatever, and just finishing high school about to go to college. But I was like, all right, you know, I found that out on the back end as a life lesson. I should ask more questions, I guess, before I hire him. Um, but he's well, done a really. great job. Yeah, it's true. Uh, he's done a really good job. And uh, I don't know if anyone notices, but he edits uh, – 20% of the stuff you guys see. So. Yeah. And so let's just talk about that for a second, right? So like the days of me putting out a like help wanted ad or paying LinkedIn for like job uh, leads or indeed.com or anything like that, like those don't happen anymore. Now we figure out who has the audience and the influence with like the right sort of message and skill set and so on he's putting themselves out there yeah we tweet and we got a reply and then just like i did with charles we were like there's only one way to find out like, yeah let's, let's just, just get it. started let's and, send him some stuff and he's been with us now for months and now he's in college he's doing a great job and it's been a great hire yeah hey maybe we'll introduce him to the community at some point if we he should wants to we yeah. should aiden mainly aiden He's a good man yeah. and, a, and a great help. So I have a question for you. Tell me. 
I was thinking about this as you were uh, talking to Jim. Charles is closing. <laughs> like a closing question from Charles, even when you have other guests on the show. What do you define as success at this point in your life? And has that changed throughout your professional career? Yeah, it's changed quite a bit. Um, so let's see. I would say that for the longest time, um, I viewed professional success as defined by, you know, uh, wealth mm -hmm. and also status mm -hmm. as very good barometers of quote unquote success. And um, through a, a series of personal uh, changes in my life, the separation and now ultimately divorce and reevaluating what's important and what I'm enjoying doing, I've completely redefined it to do what it is that I want to do every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing it and it's a traditional and it's non-conventional. And uh, a lot of people think that it's maybe wacky or insane. I mean, to be perfectly honest, the Wharton MBA community and my ex like business school community and my ex hedge fund community and my ex-wife and like a lot of these traditional people think I've lost my mind, right? <laughs> like I've, I'm, I'm growing my hair and I'm on yeah. YouTube and I'm having like all sorts of midlife crisis yeah. and, and like, that's fine. Like they can think that, yeah. but it's much more like I'm helping a lot of people. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm doing real estate investing and development. I'm traveling an awful lot. And what's kind of interesting is I've been very introspective uh, deliberately and not because anything is wrong, just the opposite, just because everything is right, right? Like mm -hmm. putting in the work when things are going well is when I think you really move the needle. Everyone will focus when things are going wrong. Right. Um, you have to. Yeah. You can't always, and that's why mindfulness and gym was so helpful. Like that helps you put in the work right. and, and get right-sided when things are going wrong. Yeah. But I think the people that really move the needle spend a lot of time on the difficult questions when things are going well. Mm -hmm. When most people get complacent and ride the wave, right. that's when I do like the most work. Mm -hmm. And um, in that process, what I've kind of realized is my father, who was an entrepreneur and like a renegade, a traditional, unconventional guy, like zero education, um, walked away from a very successful business, gave it to his employees, left a lot of money on the table to follow the same sort of path that I'm on now, which was life filled with like adventure and travel and atypical, you know, quality of life versus money. And that was a super weird thing, right? Well, back, back then? then it was super weird. Super and it was weird. so weird that even his son was kind of like, yeah, dad, that's cool for you. But yeah. I want to have that like penthouse on fifth Avenue with, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, like, right. and I do have that. And I'm going to continue to have that you know, quality of life, but I'm not optimizing for that. What right. I'm optimizing for is recognizing the fact that I have one life and a certain number of days, and hopefully they're a long number of days, but I want those days to be healthy mm -hmm. and filled with happiness and filled with love mm -hmm. and, and spending time with my kids and setting a good example uh, for them and, and growing you and Hardik and Melissa and, everyone else that I'm fortunate enough to work with and then growing our community because their success is ultimately ours. Yeah. 
I, I always found it really interesting um, as brilliant transportation was unwinding, you know, the thing was you were laid off from your hedge fund job when the market crashed, right? Well, the market came back up and you never went back to that. So I, you've, you've probably recognized, I'm always like poking at you. Like, did you even like it on wall street? Were you just doing it for the money for the status or like, cause I've, you never went back you know, the market came back and I'm sure you could have gotten any job you wanted, but you chose not to do that. And so indirectly, I think there's a lesson in that, right? Well, look, I think, again, being very introspective, I think I am an entrepreneur. I never thought of myself as uh, particularly creative, right? Like I'm not artistic, I can't draw. And that's what I was sort of taught in school is creativity. Um, I never really thought of myself as um, a creative person. and I think Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. I have a different opinion on creativity, and I think a lot of people look at that. They look at maybe what I do, um, what photographers do, artists do, and they're like, that person's creative. I think what creativity is is taking what's in front of you and figuring out a solution to it. And that's what I do with video. I have a story in my head, and I know what it looks like, and then I have to take this tool, and I have to tell the story, right? But I think there's creativity in how you handle business and how you make decisions. Like that's creativity. People right. don't think of that. They think of the artistic version. Well, so that's sort of like my point. Put that down. Yeah. That, that's exactly my point, right? So like I never thought I was creative. I was always very resourceful. I was always very good with business. I was always very good with finance. I'm always, you know, very good with trading stocks. And like a lot of that stuff comes natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to like cut my teeth in Wall Street and at a very successful firm and do it in a position of prominence and so on. And um, I kind of did that. And then I found being an entrepreneur and like being self-reliant and, and proving that I could do it really, really intoxicating. And it was like the next really, thing for you. Yeah, and really rewarding. And then to, to your point, like once I did that, there wasn't anything that was going to compel me to stop. Mm -hmm. and, and then once I like did that and started to enjoy that and make time for it and be mindful of like creating space for creativity, Jim said in the podcast that um, by meditating and freeing your mind of like the garbage that you will find that you'll have like space in your mind and you'll be more creative and you'll be more successful and so on. And I found that. And now I have more ideas than I have time or energy for businesses. Um, and we, we're launching, you know, we're doing the Amazon store. Mm -hmm. We're just like, there's just like, you couldn't imagine it. You couldn't think of it. And we run so lean and, yeah. and yet we get it all done. Yeah. I think something you said to me, not even that long ago, but it relates well to this is most people take the predetermined path in light in life. And I'm drawing on a piece of paper now, so you guys can't see it, but if you do what everyone kind of tells you to do, you're going to end up in a better position than you started, but it's probably going to be a line and maybe there's a dip and you get laid off and you get back to your job and like, you're going to end up here, but no one ends up up here, whether this is financially or happiness, if they don't take a huge risk. That's right. You know, like if they don't get in the mindset of taking risks, like no one that follows the typical path in life is going to end up here. It's just, 
unless something extremely lucky happens, like that just doesn't happen. You know, like you go to school, you get the job, you get promoted incrementally for 30 years and then you end up here and then that's what it is. And that's, that's true of like almost every profession, right? So like you could be an accountant, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you could be, you know, a hedge fund analyst, like pretty much you tell me how many years you're going to do that for and what your current income is. And we can project out your like future unless you do some things around the edges to change that, like invest in real estate or invest in stocks or become an actor part-time or, you know, like do something else. Mm -hmm. Right. And and that's not to say that that's bad. There's a lot of people that really like that stability and that security and they like that endpoint. And like, if that's your why and that's cool. Here's my thing though. I think most people, at least young people, they haven't made that correlation. And I think they eventually do later on at life that like, that's the end point. That's all that's going to happen. But they, they think if they follow the path that was laid out in front of them, that they will get up here. I, I truly believe that they think that like, yeah, as long as I just work hard nope. and like I do this and just like my parents nope. told me to. And listen, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, my girlfriend who's a very successful uh, attorney her boss who runs like the entire firm and is even more successful, much more successful. You know, the dude lives in some suburb. I don't know if it's Connecticut or New Jersey or whatever, but to beat the traffic and get in the office early and put in the time, he's up at like 4.30 in the morning and he drives like an hour or something like that. And then he works all day and then he drives against traffic and, and he has some financial gain, right? He's very successful. He has some nice house with probably a pool and the, you know, the two dogs and all that. But like, I would never, I would shoot myself. Yeah. You know, like that for <laughs> me is like hell. And that's just knowing yourself. Right. You know? And, but so my point is when you say young people, if I'm like, okay, well, look, you're going to go and you're going to do that job and it's going to work out really well. And here's what it looks like. Fast forward, you know, you're going to be 60 and you're going to be spending three hours commuting and you're going to leave at 430 in the morning. So you beat traffic and all like, how does that that guy's on top? You know, that was like the end goal. Yeah. That's, that's the top. Yeah. Right. He made it. Right. He made it. And, And for me, that would be like, oh man, I fucked up. Yeah. Exactly. How did I get here? Right. 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 Like I, and I did everything everyone told me. I just kept getting promoted and I did it better and I did it better and I made more money and I got bigger bonuses and I made partner and I did this and I did that. And this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I think what she said, that's the important part. I did what people told me. Right. Right. Like as much as I respect my parents and as much as I respect you and anyone else is I, I take what you give me and then I mold it into my own thing. And I'm like, this is what I believe. You know, I take everyone's viewpoints and I mold it into my own thing. And I, at some point it was like, I don't know, my second year in college, I was like, I'm not going to base my decisions while I'm young on whatever gets me the most money. I just made that decision on my own. And that's crazy to almost anyone else. I was just like, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy and see what happens. Dude, I was an accounting major. (laughs) It was crazy, man. I hated it. And I switched to marketing because I knew... I wanted to do something more creative. I didn't know what it was, but I knew marketing is probably the way to go. It's probably the most creative thing I can get into. Dude, all I know is, you know, we we did that video just recently on the YouTube channel about like trust yourself or trust your gut or go with your gut or whatever it is. And we, Mm -hmm. you know, I go off against Warren Buffett for technology investing. And and then even in that video, I was like, you should question me, right? right? So it's exactly to your point. Like you listen to me as much as you trust me or whatever. Like you still question me like you should and you have Mm -hmm. to 
be self-reliant. You have to make your own decision because it's a very personal life. Yeah. Right? So. How long has this been? I I like this. I enjoyed this. Two hours and 40 minutes. Is that right? Really? (laughs) (laughs) I hope somebody listened all the way to here. Oh, my gosh. If you listened, let us know somehow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let us know. DM us us or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But otherwise, it's like, you know, point in time and it's part of the archive. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Me too, man. I think we have to rebrand this, the uh, Richard and Charles show. That's what we started, the whole thing about like, welcome to the STRU podcast and the little asterisk. So if you listen for two and a half hours, Mm -hmm. we're thinking about rebranding the podcast to be a little bit more inclusive and open-ended and less Airbnb, um, more experts, more topics, more More discussions like this. Yeah. We didn't really talk about Airbnb too much. No. Yeah. It was a side note. Right. Awesome. Cool. Let us know what you think, guys. Have a great day. Thanks for your time and attention. Bye. Thank you for listening. So that does it for another episode of the STRU podcast. As always, all links mentioned are in the show notes below. And if you found this show helpful, please leave a review on iTunes. If you're serious about short-term rental investing, be sure to check out str.university. Till next time.